And now, welcome to Like a Boss. Insights with influencers, creatives, online entrepreneurs, and badasses like you. Here is your hostess, Heather Havenwood, Chief Sexy Boss, helping you rise to the top. Have you ever wanted to stop the nine to five grind and start your own company? Do you want to have more control of your income and your time? Then now is that moment to start and grow a successful business. As a female entrepreneur, I have succeeded. I have bit the dust. I have bounced back to growth and prosperity. But this would not have been possible without first taking the leap and owning my own business. But I didn't do it alone. I hired my first business coach 13 years ago. And now I help small businesses, solo practitioners, and professionals double their income and triple their time off. So let me help you too. My gift to you today is a free one-on-one strategy session. So go to coachwithheather.com, coachwithheather.com, and let me help you double your income and triple your time off. This is Heather Havenwood, and welcome to another version of Like a Boss, Insights with Influencers, Entrepreneurs, and Badasses Like You. I'm super excited today to have someone I've already interviewed, but we had trouble with technology. And this morning, I had trouble with technology, so that's how it goes. But I think it's a perfect timing, because since then, I've been able to read more of her books, and we've been able to connect other ways. I think the interview is going to be even better. So I'm super excited to have Ann Kate Sullivan on. Hey, Ann, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me okay? I can. And I have to say, your background this time is like this really, you're seeing this on YouTube right now, really cool aura green going on. So it's like super perfect, way better than the first time. I super love it. So you. Good, 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 good. Well, I thought sparkles would come in. Yes. Little (laughs) sparkles going on, everything. I love it. I love that. All right. So I'm going to share everybody who you are and we're going to dive into your book. And I'm just showing, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see I'm holding up one, just one of her books, one of them that I have, and I'm, I've been reading it, Legends of the Grail, Stories of Celtic Goddesses by Ann-Kate Sullivan. So she has a new book coming out and a few other ones we're going to go into, but I first just want to share with you a little bit about who she is in the world. So Anne, Anne it's A-Y-N, but Ann-Kate Sullivan is an award-winning best-selling author focusing on mythology, folklore for the modern age. Dr. Sullivan obtained her BA with honors at Holland's University and her master's and doctorate degrees in literature from Columbia University and King's College London. She is known for her award-winning children's series, including Sparkle and the Gift, Sparkle and the Light, and Ella's Magic. Her bestseller, A Story of Becoming, won 18 literary awards. Her books on Celtic mythology, including Legends of the Grail, Stories of Celtic Goddesses and Heroines heroines of Avalon and Other Tales. The third book in the series, Kings, Heroes, and the Goddesses of Sovereignty, is due to launch in 2020. And Kate Sullivan has won over 30 literary awards. Woo! Yay! Hey! And she's hanging out in the sparkly world. Yeah, and there's one more coming. uh, November 1st, we launch uh, another children's book. It's called The Rainbow Dragon's Emerald. Wow. You are like on a freaking roll. I freaking love that. And so we were talking in the green room. I'm focusing on my next book right now and looking at doing more of a series. So we're excited to talk to you about that. So let's kind of dive in. So I am, um, I've been reading, like I said, if you're listening to 
you see us on YouTube, you can see what I'm holding up, but I've been reading Legends of the Grail, stories of Celtic goddesses, and I really am liking it because what I'm learning through you and through um, my own study has been that the, and tell me if I'm wrong, this is what I'm learning, is that the, the goddesses really true were the warriors in the past. We were the warriors um, more so than really the males. Is that what I'm reading correct? There were, there are definitely some ferocious warrior goddesses. There's no doubt about that. So why the um, focus? I mean, you come from Columbia University. Why the focus specifically on the goddesses and obviously going down a particular trajectory, but why such the passion for that? Well, if you think about Ivy League University for a minute and then King's College London, it's, it's, um, I was, it was heavily influenced by the patriarchy. <laughs> I understand, girl. That's why it's like this huge swing because I, I feel, yeah, the patriarchy, you know, then I'm like, whoa, she's on this massive goddess realm. I love it. Like, I'm just like, what was that shift? What was that change in the trajectory? So I think there was a particular day when I was when I was at Trinity College. So I was I was gathering folklore. I was I was given an overseas research tour to King's College London, which was amazing. I felt like I was on top of my game, and um, you know I'm walking down the the aisle at, at Trinity College, and there's a bust of a white male, and a bust of a white male, and a bust of a white male. <laughs> like, I, like I I feel you. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead in your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Right, and I'm thinking. Do, do I actually belong in here? Is there, you know, will people actually read my books? Is there, is there an issue here because I'm, you know, the only blonde that's sitting here? And, um, so that, that was part, that was part of it. And the, the other part was that, you know, sort of more on a more serious level, I, I felt something was missing in my soul. Mm-hmm. And, and so when, when I started, uh, and you know, I didn't really mean to do this is like sometimes life unfolds, right? It, 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 you yeah. find yourself walking in this area and having experiences and you go, Oh, I get it. My true nature is really trying to tell me something. And, and I realized that in trying to become incredibly successful, which was my goal, I wanted to be an academic. I wanted to be on top of my game, you know? And I think it was at the time one, one in 400 people got into Columbia. <laughs> I think it's worse now. And, um, and, and it was like 1% of the, of the British population could get a PhD and there was a 50% failure rate. So I was like in this very tiny little percentage of, of people who could hang out in that world. And that alone, I mean, just speaking for that, that's called success. You know what I mean? Right. That, right. But I, I get where you're kind of going. It's like in the world, here you are, percentage of a percentage of a percentage, you are quote unquote successful, like a box. You know what I mean? Yes. But I'm hearing that there was something missing in that. Yeah. Here, here I was, I was on top of my game and I was depressed. What what is that about here? I've I've done everything. I've worked really hard my whole life to achieve and something's wrong. And, and somehow when I'm, when I'm walking along, it was particularly the West coast of Ireland. I'm walking along and I'm, I'm going to these rambling houses and I'm gathering folklore. My, my subject was Lady Gregory, who, who was the woman behind the Anglo-Irish literary renaissance, which was beautiful because she said, look, we have a Gaelic tradition. It should be, uh, the Celtic tradition should be at our university at Trinity College. And at that point, it was only Greco-Roman. Now, the big difference, because you think, well, why, you know, it's mythology, why is it important? But the big difference is that 
you know, that Irish world, the, those stories had almost been lost because anyone who spoke Gaelic or told these stories was killed. So, they, you know, or called a witch or, you know, they were demonized. So yeah, let me, let me, I want to, you to continue, but I want to stop for just a second. I just want to repeat that and, and just said another way. Basically the stories of the female goddesses in that, from that space, from that time, from a time period that you brought to life were pretty much about to die with their souls because it was that people were being were killed at some level back then because they were sharing the stories. And I just want to kind of reiterate that because even in today's world with some powerful women out there, you know, they're still getting what I call killed. When I mean by killed, it could be, you know, just pushed out of the situation or shut down or whatever. Killed is a strong word, but I think that that's still happening today. That's just still happening today. So go ahead. What, what sparked you say, I'm going to share these stories with about these women. Well, so, so in the, and, and I think you're right, but in the Greek, the Greco-Roman tradition, I love those stories too. Um, you, you never see a solar goddess. You, you, they're all, they're all, the goddesses are always reflecting the light of the masculine. But when you get into the Celtic mythology, there are goddesses like Anya, who, and I believe you just read her story, yeah. and she is a solar goddess, and she shines her light her own way, and she's unapologetic. She has her, they call it the Glaphiosa. She has her light, her sparkles are on. She has her own connection to the divine, and she knows she's a powerhouse. And, and I, I absolutely fell in love with her. And I love the fact, <laughs> I, I don't know if you got to this part in the story, but um, in, in, there was an ancient tradition you know, that where, where the people would go uh, and climb up her paps. So there were these hills and they would light her nipples. Right? <laughs> these, these little- I love it. Oh my God, that's hot. <laughs> I think we should go do it. We should go do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> so, and the idea was you, you would, you would, you know, kind of, invite her back you would you would you know ecstatically call her back into her body and invite her back into the land you know mm-hmm. because the goddess can disappear if you're if you're if you attack her or you demonize her she can she can slip underground you know so traditionally feminine is what earth as we do i mean i know myself when i get demonized and attacked sometimes i i come back with that sleigh and sometimes i just retreat and i'm like i'm just gonna shut down for a little bit and and I got to be sometimes invited back like that. I got to be, it's okay to come back out and play. <laughs> you know? So I understand that attacking. So as far as the, I'm just going to go, this book we're hearing, I'm really super curious on this next book coming out, The King's Heroes and Goddesses. Um, this specific book, why did, like, what was the turning point? Because you were talking about that. What was the turning point that you said, I'm really going to go in this totally new direction because you're at the top of your success. And then you start writing these books where there's a gap there. What happened? Well, it's funny because I, I told my, my tutor when I was doing my doctorate, which I, which I actually passed and you know, it was amazing, but I was telling my tutor, uh, Dr. Leonie Orman, that I wanted to do a fictional version of them because I felt, you know, and, and I don't just say this. I mean, WB Yates, many people say that you have to retell the stories for each age. And that's yeah. the only way the stories stay, stay alive. Yeah. And the way that you would tell the stories in the fifth century would be very different than the way you would tell them now. And so she said, don't do it. You'll ruin your reputation. And so I, I, I didn't do it for a while. And my kids kept kind of prompting me. They were like, you know, people really, really, really need these stories. So I went ahead and wrote them and I sent them to Dr. Leonie Ormond, who went, I think they're fabulous and I'm going to write the introduction. So, so I got away with it in the end. <laughs> that is 
That's actually really funny. Now I have a question, if you don't mind, I'm going to, I have a question because I, this is, this is about folklore. Cause I, I read something and I don't, yeah, I feel like you're like the king of the queen of the queen of this. Right. So I heard that Zeus God, God was a God. He was married to a goddess and I, the name starts with an A. I do not remember it. You probably know it, but she was so powerful that he had her killed. Is that right? Um, let's see. I'm not, I'm not quite as good with, with, uh, Greco Roman, uh, but, but I know Jupiter. So, and as he goes into, um, Roman mythology of Jupiter yeah, and, and he's, I believe he's married to Juno and, um, Juno is always jealous of all of his, his love affairs. So in the Greco Roman tradition, the gods are always like snatching nymphs and running off with different people. And, and you don't, you don't really really get the sense that they're so powerful maybe diana the huntress um mm. right but but let's say if, if we if you shifted over to to the celtic tradition yeah, for yeah. because we were we were talking about um well the book i'm working right on right now is king's heroes and the goddess of sovereignty now what i love about the celtic tradition is that they were all about equality and so even if you're looking at authorian legend you know, the king, the king becomes the king because he pulls the sword out of the stone, which is a really, really old, an old version of the Celtic story because the stone is the earth. It's the goddess herself. And the goddess has to give the sword to the masculine. In other words, she has to give him his magic. She has to give him, she has to say, yes, you have it and you can rule. And she can also take it away. See? So she's very interested in whether or not this person and this particular guy he wants to be a hero or king knows how to work with power correctly, mm. which I think is a really important theme for our time right now. Mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't, what happens is you create a wasteland. And what happens in a wasteland? You get storms, you get earthquakes, you get floods, you get fires. The earth goes into despair. You get people who... who who, who don't believe in anything anymore and they're chaotic and they're, they're losing their connection to, to, to the intelligence of life itself. And civilization starts to die. That's the wasteland. So that, that is the moment when you invoke the goddess, when you go, you know, in the next story, I don't know if you got to it yet, but you have Skaya, who, who's <laughs> really quite incredible because there, there's, a, there's a character there named Kuhulan of Merhevna, it's mouthful, but he, want, he became one of the greatest heroes of Ireland. And, but in order to do that, he had to set sail to the, to the Isle of Skye and he had to jump across a 22 foot ravine that had skulls all below it. And there, there was a bucking bridge that he had to get through. And there on the other side was Skye waiting for him because Skye, the goddess was the one that could create, could turn him into a true hero because she possessed magic. You see in the, in the Celtic tradition, the women were the were the owners of the magical world. And maybe they would invite the masculine in, you see? Mm. So she would read him as he's jumping across or as he's coming to her, she's reading him and she's going, well, I'm either going to kill him or I'm going to make love with him or I'll turn him into a hero or maybe all of the above. I'll think about it, you know? <laughs> I, I want to stop for a second because that cracks me up because that's how <laughs> I think <laughs> people are going to be like, what? That's how I see men today like either i'll kill him off or i'll, I'll love on him but i'm not sure yet <laughs> depending on how he deals with stuff you know because you know in this world i'd like throw like fire at them 
and they either freak out or they're like, Oh, I got it. Or they're like, why are you throwing fire at me? And I'm like, okay, you, you can't handle power. <laughs> okay. Go back to your story. So I just, I laugh about that. Here's my question to you in the Celtic world. Can you just explain to listeners why the goddess was the powerhouse or can you explain that people listen going what because obviously we live in an extremely patriarchal world unfortunately can you just kind of give an idea can you just like open the door a little bit and stories of the celtic world absolutely if, if you get the book at the very end i have a a thirty-three thousand year her story instead of a history so it's a her story. So you can because when you reweave the, the the goddess tradition, which I've really tried to do, so academically and intuitively, when you reweave it, you have to guess at certain parts because it's a broken tradition. But if you go to like the Bond tradition, eighteen thousand year unbroken Tibetan tradition, so they do exist. But in the West, of course, there were the burning times and and so forth. So so we were almost we were almost wiped out. But it's, it's still there and we can reweave it. And if you think about it, I mean, even (laughs) I might be a real heretic here, but, but if you think about it just in the Catholic tradition for a minute too, we have the father, the son and the ghost. (laughs) What? She's not a ghost. She's a woman. You know, it's like the, no, it's the, it's, it's actually father, mother, child. And, and all three components are really important. And then, you know, in the, in the, again, if you go back to the Celts, you have, and the pre-Celtic people, even more so, you have the Trinity, you know, you have the, you have the, um, the three petal, the three leafed clover, that's father, mother, child, you know, this gives us our, our rootedness, our realness. So we need all of those pieces of ourselves. We need our wholeness. We don't just need, we just don't need fire. If you just, if you think of masculine, masculine is great. It's fire and it's air they're fantastic incredible brilliancy and heat and speed and all of these things but those are only two hallows the other two out hallows are earth and water we need those too we need to be able to feel i mean don't we want to be able to love each other and be able to connect and and care for our children and maybe eat food that's healthy for us and you know maybe have cultures where we don't where we're not annihilating each other but we're actually getting along and helping each other thrive so so if you think about what the goddess tradition is, and you have to go about 5,000 years back to really find it in the West, um, it's the culture of life. And so you have to you know, step back in time and go, what was it like when the two, in this particular case, there are different traditions around the world, but in, the, in this particular case, this is pre-Celtic, the, tu, the Tuatha de Dunan were ruling and they were known as the tall, beautiful people, the people of the sea. Mm. And, and so you get a glimpse just for a moment. What, the, what would it be like? What would it be like to, to be with people who care, you know, who really want to see the, the trees grow so that we have air and, and they want the crops to grow so that everyone can be fed and they want the rain to fall so that the grass can grow and they want us to be able to speak to the animals because the animals are important. They're part of our family and they, you know, they, it's a culture of life. And I feel, I feel it's, it's called for in this age. It's the, if we're, if we really are going to go into what, you know, the Mayans were talking about and different indigenous people are talking about. Yeah. We have the chance right now to go into what the flowering of the ages, golden age, mm. but we can't do it unless we include all the components. And that doesn't mean 
just the feminine. It means the balance of the feminine, the masculine, and also the youth that, that helps us step forward. So let me ask you a question from a business perspective. Um, how can a woman or a man, you know, just anyone, um, read your stories and find, you know, confidence in that? I mean, I know for myself, like, you know, how can it, other than just a story, how can it add value in their life is another way to question. And I'll, I'll share from my perspective, I think, and I've only read, like I said, I'm, I've only read about half. What for me, I've, I've experienced, but I'm curious about what your other readers have shared in, in you is that, um, you know, what my experience is because I grew up in extremely, uh, patriarchal Christian man of the house, the, all that, all the pastors were men. Jesus is a man, the man of the house, like it's all there. Right. So very patriarchal world. What I discovered when I was reading these books was kind of like this, wow, women are really powerful and goddesses are very powerful. And that kind of gives me this permission to be a goddess and to be powerful in my own way, you know, in my own story, in my own way, in my own world. What's your experience personally and maybe other readers? I absolutely love that. You know, I was told by several publishers that nobody was interested in goddesses. And what's really fun, I think, is that um, this book has just gone into its fifth printing. So this is not at all true. It actually sold out on the day I launched it. So, so it's bogus. The thing is that this, this emerging goddess tradition that, you know, you could call it sacred feminine. Men love it as much as women. We all all need it. So, so it's something that's bubbling up. I think, you know, if you look at the media, there's this crisis going on and what's bubbling up underneath it are all these amazingly powerful women, like these superheroines that are like really walking on the planet going, we're going to change this stuff right now, you know? And, and I think what these stories do is they, they, we go, look, we aren't the first ones to do, to change the world. It's happened before. And these, these are some of the archetypes. These are the, some of the superheroines who existed in the past that we can, that we can emulate. Mm-hmm. In the next, yeah. in the next series, I ha- in the next book in the series is uh, Heroines of Avalon and Other Tales, which just won its, I think, 10th really great literary award. Um, but did you know that the first person to achieve the Holy Grail was actually a woman? What? Oh, yes. tell us the story. Tell us the story. <laughs> so, and I actually went to Oxford and asked John Matthews why this story isn't well known. Because he's, he's written 200 books on Arthurian legend and you know, no, no one talks about her. her. They usually call her the unnamed sister of Percival. But no, she was a, vi- a visionary woman and, she, and her name is either Dendran, Dendrain or Dendrana, depending on how you like to say I like to say Dendrana. And um, she was a visionary woman and she knew that in order for the, for the quest to succeed, for, for Galahad and some of the, 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 great, the great names of the round table in Arthurian legend, in order for them to achieve their goal and achieve the Holy Grail, to find the relic, but what it's really about is finding the inner Christos. I mean, so if you think about it, she's like the first kind of awakened woman, right, in that tradition. She, she through, through, a ter- through a self-sacrifice, she has to shed her blood, she opens, she winds up opening the gates to Sarah. So in that tradition, that means she opens the pearly gates. She opens the gates to heaven so that heaven and earth, if you think of the Vesica and Pisces for a minute, 
I don't know if <laughs> the two circles coming together. Yeah. So that heaven and earth can come together and the light could be made manifest on earth. So she, she's the person that does that. Interesting. So she found, she found the Holy Grail first. Yep. So you, you didn't finish your story. You said you talked to a gentleman who writes about it and you asked him, why hasn't this story been told? What did he say? He goes, I have no idea. Maybe you should do it. <laughs> there you go. So which book is that one in, by the way? Which book is that stole? That one's in Heroines of Avalon and Other Tales. So that, that has, has a couple of, of Avalon. Uh, Avalon is the mythical other world in, in Britain. So the, the green book, they're more Scots-Irish, and the blue book, the Heroines of Avalon, are, are more British, British Isles. Let me, can I ask you a question? I'm, I'm, again, I'm holding up, just people who are listening and not seeing, I'm holding up her book, Legends of the Grail Stories of Celtic Goddesses. In the middle, on, on the cover, there is a symbol, and I'm sure there is something about that. Can you explain what that symbol is? I, I, when I was reading, I just stared at it for about five, ten minutes. I go, there's something there. I just don't, obviously don't know what it stands for. What is that? Well, I, I believe you can see a clover kind of hidden in there. Do you see that? Yeah, hidden? there's three clovers and then <laughs> one clover within a clover. And then there's one, two, three, four birds. I don't know what type of birds they are. So those are Emer songbirds. And the, the clover hidden in there is, is that, ancient, um, that ancient symbol of the mother, father, child, or mother, father, divine. Oh. Right? So it's, it's hidden within there. So if you, if you were in Ireland and you crawl into some of the old cairns like like La Crue or, or go to Newgrange, you'll, you'll, you, cr- you actually crawl in th- and, and it, you're crawling through the womb of the, gr- of the goddess back underground into these healing chambers where you would go back and you would remember how to dream with the earth. Mm-hmm. This was really where we, we got rid of our narcissism, <laughs> our self-importance, and we crawled back in into the darkness and we listened we listen to what the earth had to say. Can you imagine if right now we did, we decided to do that? Oh, oh. The trees want to grow. Oh my goodness. You know, the ocean, the ocean really wants to, to be cleaned up. Oh, oh my goodness. Maybe we should have biodynamic food. <laughs> so you listen to the dreams of the earth and then, and then you start to listen to what your own dream is. You know, in, in, a, in, a, in a more shamanic sense, you might fly with one of the birds. You know, you might do a shamanic journey where you fly with the other birds to the other side and you, you collect your own dreams and you come back and you go, oh, I get it in this lifetime. I should write stories of Celtic goddesses, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah. So, so Emer is the wife of, of Kuhulan of Merhevna and she's the one, in order to marry the goddess of beauty, She's a goddess of sovereignty. She's a goddess of beauty, a May queen. In order to marry her and become the hero of the land, the king of the land, then he, that's when he has to go to Skyach and, be, and find his magic. And once, once he's been through his initiation and he has his magic, which means he can go charge into battle and he can, class, uh, he can cast a glamour, which means that it looks like 10,000 people are with him, even though it might just be Gulen. You know, yeah, he can learn to walk through the other world. So he has his magic. And once he has his magic, he can come back and be the beloved of Emer. Mm. And so in these, with this, with Emer, he, she gives him the power at this point, correct? 
It's it's actually Skyach that gives him Skyach. that that puts him through an initiation, such as being able to handle a a, a a lightning clap, you know, lightning in his body. He gets struck by lightning, so she wants him to be able to handle anything that comes at him. And so it's kind of like life. I think that you know, in our world, it's <laughs> like you get married, people get married. And then women, you know, women, I find that women are the ones who kind of, um, test the men, you know, to see if they can handle things and handle power and handle life. And, and my, that's how, that's how I view it anyway. You know, I, I really love questing with my husband. I, he, he's, a, um, he's a Sullivan, obviously the old Sullivan, one of the old Munster Kings of, of Ireland. He, he, he was also in this lifetime was a ex middle linebacker. He played with the jets and the bears. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so That's he cool. goes, he goes and, and I love when we, when we crawl in, he'll go, I've become the goddess. You know, <laughs> he's, like, he really embraces it. And what I found is it's so great for our relationship. We have so much fun. You know, it's very creative. It's very juicy. It's, so I think, you know, when men start to play in this world and they go, oh, we don't, you mean we don't dominate, we don't try to control and dominate women and put them down and try to keep them in the kitchen. Or- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we can actually just kick up our heels and have fun together. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> seriously. And I think it empowers women to be their, the goddess within themselves when they, you know, when they have a, a man that can be open to having the goddess. It's not scary. I've had people come to me and say to me, well, Heather, you're strong and that's why you'll never have a man. Or I've had girlfriends say, yeah, well, I'm strong and that's why I'll never have a man. And I think that's really sad. Um, that based that, what that, that, what that says is that what I hear in the background, it's like saying, well, men are so weak that they can't handle a strong woman. It's not saying, Hey, you're too strong. It's saying men are so weak that they can't handle. They don't want to be with a powerful woman. I think that's crazy. I don't, I don't agree with that. It's, it's almost like men, are you, are you guys really saying that, that you guys are so weak that you, you don't want a powerful partner or is it just your fear of that? You know, what is that? I don't know. In today's world, I can't answer that question. I have no idea. What's your, what, what say you though? Well, the, the thing is, since we've had a, a um, patriarchal model for a long time. I mean, to give the guys a little bit of credit, I don't think that they were taught how to handle strong women. We're just emerging again after a very long time of suppression. And so, and so, I mean, one of the things that's great about going and looking at the, that these tales is that you actually have examples of men and women who get along, (laughs) who actually have great relationships. So that's one thing you see is, Oh, you know, the Boudicca or Bodicea, depending on, it, it was a great uh, Celtic queen, and and she ruled. She ruled in in Britain and was married to a king. When he was k- killed, when her husband was killed, the the Romans came in and said, "You can't rule as queen without a without a husband." And that and the Celts didn't understand that. They were like, "What do you mean? We have queens all over the place, you know." But they they came in, they raped her daughters, and that was not okay. That was not something that you did in the, you know, you def- no, you don't defile my daughter. So she raised a hundred thousand. This is historical. <laughs> she raised a hundred thousand troops and almost completely wiped out all of the Romans. And so, wow. Yeah. So Which she, goddess was that? Please repeat her, that. Her, that, this was an actual historical warrior, warrior woman named Boudicca or Bodicea, some people say. 
but she there there's statues of her in London that you can go and 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 look at but she she's someone and she loved her husband she absolutely loved her husband but of course when he was no longer there because they're warring tribes when he was no longer there she would she would have stepped completely into her power and there are a lot of other examples like that too like queen Maeve and so forth so you so so in the Celtic tradition having a a woman who was powerful was an asset even 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 caesar said that um when you know when when they rode in into town you know when they would ride into to britain the british isles if the celt the celtic male showed up well okay maybe maybe go to battle but if the male and and his wife showed up go home because you will never ever win <laughs> really i love that that's Isn't actually that great hot. Yeah, I love that. So if the man and woman show up yeah. together, forget about it. If the man shows up by himself or just the male, fight. Mm-hmm. What do you think that says on a, what, is, what does that say in that story? What, what do you think that says? That the woman's stronger? What is that? I mean, what do you think that says? What do you? Well, I think, you know, in, the, in that sort of tradition where you have hand fasting, so in the Druid tradition, where, you know, and, and so in that, in that tradition, men and women were Druids. It's men and women held land. Men and women um, were judges. Men and women were warriors. Men and women. So we, they were equal. They did everything. And um, I think what it really says is that if we look at things together, if yeah. we need to be together to be whole. When we're, when we're all trying to be fire and air, or we're all trying to hold a spear and a sword, and we don't have the other components, we're out of balance. Right? So then we have our problem with our wasteland. So, and, and so this is, you know, people go, well, what, a, you know, the goddess, you know, is this only about the feminine? And it's not at all. It's not at all. The juiciest men, the most wonderful, creative, juiciest, successful men that I know love the goddess, right? They have the best relationships. They, they love their families, right? So, so they're, they're more complete. They're more whole. And I think, you know, the patriarchy maybe just needs to turn around and look at the, at what happens. So what happens when you take out the feminine? What happens? I think Judeo-Christianity needs to turn around and look at that. What happens when you decide that the body is evil, that sexuality is wrong, that, um, you know, that we're actually, it becomes a culture of death. We're worshiping a guy on a cross and, and you're always, I got, this is my own point. I, this is not to you. This is my stuff. And you're always a sinner. Always. Like you're right? always broken. You're always broken. You're always broken. There's right. never like a celebration just for life and the celebration for living and a celebration for, you know, just being here today. It's like, they have to constantly from that particular, I mean, I have a lot of experience here. So it's forgive me. Um, they're always like going to quote unquote church. It's like, the, I was taught at a young age, something I've just now realized, so please forgive me, is I've realized that the, the underlying core, core, a core uh, statement I learned at a very young age, something's always wrong with you. It has to be something's always wrong with you, meaning me, Heather, is because then the church has no place. Because if, if I'm just great and things are good and everything's amazing and life's happening, and even if things are coming at me, it's still I'm celebrating life, then there'll be no need for right? Because so anyway, that's just my own take on that. And what my experience is anytime there's a rise in the feminine in that construct that gets killed off, you know what I mean? Like it's almost like it gets just like silenced and quiet and and whatnot. And I just look, that's why I love your work because it's bringing these, um, um, 
these stories to life. And I think we live through stories. We can emulate with that. We can connect. And that's why when I'm reading this story right now, um, I just really resonated with it. You know, I really resonate with the story of, of the goddesses because I can go, well, if they can do it, I can do it. That's kind of how I see it. And there was another story in here that I want to bring up um, again. It's about uh, the Noah, the, the story of Noah. And then there was a, uh, what was she? Was she a sister? She was a sister. Hey, hey, was his, grand, his granddaughter. Yeah. So that, share that story there, everybody. It's in this book, by the way, Legends of the Grail, Stories of Such a Glasses. But you share that story real quick. It's a really great story. <laughs> yeah, she she wasn't she wasn't allowed to board the ark because she's in the wrong lineage. So she does what any 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 intelligent person would do. She builds her own ark and she puts her fifty friends on it and her herd of horses and she sets sail. And and in the Laver Gabala, in the old tradition of of Ireland, she's the first person to to set foot on Ireland. Eru, uh, the goddess, grabs her and brings her ashore. And, and there, and there it begins. And the, the poet Fintan is her lover and it's the first, it comes with her. It's a one, it's a wonderful story too, because it reminds us that, well, okay, so we're, we're not invited in, into this patriarchal game. Fine. We'll create our own game, you know? <laughs> so maybe we'll invite you in if, if you behave, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're really, they are really fun, fun stories. And I, um, and, and they're parables for life. I mean, one, one of the things that I love about the Druids is that um, in order to become a druid in that in that tradition, and the obods, um, the the druid revivals really been going on recently. But um, anyway, in order to become a druid, you had to have you had to train to, to, and learn two hundred and fifty stories of your people first. So you had to know the stories of your people. Then maybe you could become an ovate, and an ovate would be a clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient, a, a, a clear seer, someone who could look into the well or the spring and tell you your future. After 20 years of that, maybe, maybe you could be a spiritual leader, a druid teacher, and, and learn the language of the trees and, and really help. So they, they, were, they were very, they're beautifully, beautiful spiritual beings now, and they were equally male and female. And I love it. I was like, there were these druidesses and they were like, no, 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 no. They were all druids. You know, <laughs> and I thought, oh, these, I can imagine these, these women in white cloaks with their, you know, with their, with their staff and their wind and their hair blowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, there were women that I could have gone to. And I, I maybe could have looked into the well with them and, and I could see that I was whole. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel you girl that, you yeah, know, I feel that. Yeah. I'm very, Feel that, and I would love to keep talking, but I'm looking at the time, and I have another interview, and I just want to, you know, acknowledge your work. I first want to say, everyone, go to go to Amazon, and it's on Amazon, other in other places. Uh, Legends of the Grail: Stories of Celtic Goddesses. It's Anne Kate Sullivan, A Y N, and her website is AnnKateSullivan.com, but it's spelled A Y N and Kate C A T E S Sullivan S U L L I V A N dot com. Just last words that you want to share with people, and why would they should you know, go also, we didn't talk about your new book, but tell us about the new book. Oh, the new one. Well, there's a new children's book, uh, that's coming out in November. Uh, it's called, um, the rainbow dragons emerald. So this is a, this is a, a quick quest. Uh, it's a woman who wakes up in a forest surrounded by animals and the animals say the, the dragon has lost her emerald. And if we can't find it, the world is going to come to an end. And so she, she jumps on the back of a, of a white stag and she's taken into the land of fairy folk and they go into the cave and in there she meets the old woman of the world 
and the old woman of the world really does understand the emerald and what the emerald is all about. And you're going to have to read the book to find the rest. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. And then you have also one coming up in 2020, the King's Heroes and Goddesses of Sovereignty, which I'm super excited to read that too. But Anne, thank you for being here. Again, I want to share everybody their website. They can go find Anne. It's annkatesullivan.com. It's A-Y-N. C-A-T-E-S, Sullivan.com. And again, um, her book that I'm holding in my hand is Legends of the Grail, Stories of Celtic Goddesses. And her upcoming book is King's Heroes and the Goddesses of Sovereignty. And this is Heather Havenwood. Pick us out at heatherhavenwood.com as well as anywhere you listen to podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, Roku, and iTunes and Google Play. Thanks. Are you a coach, consultant, small business owner, or online entrepreneur? Do you want to significantly grow your business, triple your list, and double your sales conversions? If the answer is yes, then launching a podcast is the next step. You see, being an expert in your field, having a website is no longer enough to be noticed in today's marketplace. I call it the influencer effect. Being an influencer is the key. You see, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And having your own podcast helps people to connect with you. If you're interested in having me help you launch your own podcast, grow your influence, and promote your business, then go to InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. That's InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. And let me help you rise to the top. Thank you for listening to Like a Boss, helping you rise to the top. Join Heather's Mastermind at InfluencerTribe.com, where she helps you become an influencer and dominate your field. Follow Heather Havenwood on Instagram. Interested in interviewing or scheduling a call with Heather? Go to CallWithHeather.com. For more, go to HeatherHavenwood.com.